Holy Spirit fire is spreading on the Article 7 podcast. and welcome. I am PAJ, Pastor Andrew Jago, and I work at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia. And that is the location of Bethany Lutheran Church. You can find us also on the web at www.bethany, that is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S dot O-R-G. And this is episode two in the Article 7 podcast, episode two of Holy Spirit power. Uh, This podcast is the uh, sermons and also snapshots of the ministry around Bethany Lutheran. In this episode, uh, there's a feature uh, which will take a look at congregational renewal at Bethany. We're doing a very important vote this weekend. So this podcast is going to answer four questions. What is congregational renewal? That's number one. Number two, why is it so important? You may be asking that after hearing about it for so long. Number three, what is it that we are voting on? And number four, why the covenant? So just I'm not going to go into a terrible amount of detail, but just a a pastoral answer to all four of those, uh, and then just laying it out for us to prayerfully consider and listen to how the Lord is leading us. And for those of you who are not members of Bethany, I invite you to listen as well and to pray with us uh, that the Lord uh, continues to work among his people at our church. We're also going to have some music in this podcast uh, for Good Shepherd Sunday. And the sermon notes are going to explain a little bit about Good Shepherd Sunday right before you hear the second sermon in the series, Holy Spirit Power, titled The Communion of Saints. Stick around. Welcome back. So as I said, the feature of this podcast is going to answer, I hope, four frequently asked questions around our church right now. Uh, Number one, what is congregational renewal? Uh, So a while back, we invited uh, Pastor uh, Seaman to come in as the lead uh, consultant in this congregational renewal process uh, that is, uh, it's offered by our Southeastern District. Now, <laughs> just to back up a little bit, our national body, Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, divided up into districts across the country. Ours goes from Delaware down to South Carolina. So those are the churches that, um, are, are, uh, under the supervision of our district. Uh, so our district, uh, ha- had designed this process to be, uh, two parts. One, that we are individually, seeking the Lord's will in our lives. Number two, that we are seeking the Lord's will and direction for our church. So renewal has to come in and out. Uh, so it, for, with each individual and then at the church. That's why the process, and it's two-stage process, the first stage begins with a prayer workshop. How do we pray? And a couple of the things that we learned in that prayer workshop, we've been trying to implement, like in all of our uh, church meetings, uh, we do a little listening prayer before each meeting now, 
Uh, and we've been doing discerning prayer, another process that we learned, uh, seeking the Lord's will. We've been doing that uh, since Pastor Seaman presented uh, the report that the, and the offered up the action plan that we're going to be voting on, backing up now. Okay, so prayer workshop, uh, and then we go through what's called Discovery Weekend. And then that Discovery Weekend, <laughs> for lack of a better word, focus groups of Bethanyites get together. And each of these groups, uh, you know, it says, you know, it was great. Uh, what's what's working? What's not working? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Um, what are the challenges that are before us? And the discovery team that comes in and listens to that puts that all into a report and uh, then offers uh, some action items for our consideration. And then we they offer up also a covenant uh, and if we sign that covenant, all agreeing that this is how we're going to approach this action plan and work on it together, uh, then we enter into phase two. Phase one will have been completed. So that's the process. And as I said, it's meant to uh, hit us individually first and go from the inside out, to go from each individual seeking the Lord's will to then saying, okay, now, Lord, what do you want to do with our church? And seeking after his direction uh, for Bethany Lutheran. So that brings us to the, the second question, which is why? Why why do this? Uh, what was the need that was felt to Bethany to enter into this process? So uh, so one, uh, let me take that from two texts. Number one, we have been just going gangbusters, I think. Uh, new ministries start up, new groups start up, new opportunities present themselves. One of the major things that we have been working on as a church I think since I've been here is uh, integrating our African immigrant ministry, and eventually the way that shook out after we really explored as to you know what uh, relationship that that we have and um, you know if, if this is a viable mission that's here in Alexandria and we want to continue to pursue it. We've asked ourselves some hard questions about that, and ultimately we ended up calling another pastor um, after uh, after I was uh, mentoring him through seminary. And Joseph B. Davis uh, now works with me, uh, and we work together in the mission field and also uh, in Bethany, uh, just the, the, all the other operations as well, integrating uh, the operations of our offerings, our membership tracking, and so forth. Uh, and I'd say that took at least five, six years uh, to really figure that out. Um, and in addition, there's been so many things in our congregation that I said have, have cropped up, like hearts and hands, for instance. There was a mission team that said, you know, we, we, we just feel that we need to go out into the world and do things. So we went to Haiti. We went to do some local missions. Um, and I think there's, there's now a, a regular going out into uh, those kinds of missions of mercy. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we've expanded our choirs and uh, worship and uh, looking at uh, different things with our preschools, seeing that as a mission field. Uh, just so many things that are swirling around and demand our attention at the same time. Uh, I'd say that uh, the typically as folks come into the congregation, uh, they're uh, of this uh, variety where you know they don't have all day to offer, uh, because as as most of us experience in this part of the world, uh, we're uh, called to uh, help in our families, uh, the PTA. We're super busy with our own jobs, um, and then we have to balance our lives. We want to give uh, give God uh, uh, first uh, and our first fruits. Uh, but what does that look like, you know, and and how do we do that in such a way and, and offer opportunities to people to volunteer where we're not overwhelming them and burning them out? 
Um, so, uh, and also placing them in places where they feel gifted as well, uh, where they, they want to, to be able to um, contribute in, in the way that, you know, the Lord has blessed them to contribute. Uh, so all that, I think there, there's just this tremendous need uh, for focus, you know, to, to zero in on those uh, two or three things we do really well and focus in on those and, and manage our uh, gifts uh, uh, appropriately uh, for our congregation. And uh, so I, th- I, I, I think that's, that's the felt need that was out there and uh, where we said, all right, we need to go into some sort of, we need a plan. We need someone to help us plan this. And then uh, this whole process of congregational renewal was brought up uh, as a way to, to really seek after the Lord's will. Uh, so that's where it came into uh, our congregation. Now, taking a look at the action plan, which I have here uh, in front of me, this is what came out of the Discovery Weekend. And so they identified strengths and weaknesses and then four areas. And this is in no particular order of importance, but one of the areas is governance and organization. Uh, so uh, sometimes it, uh, um, you know, the, the, uh, the structure can get in the way of mission. Uh, so is that what's happening, and uh, is that stretching our volunteers too thin? We need to take a look at that. Soul accounting, tracking our membership, doing that in an effective way. Uh, need to evaluate, you know, are we uh, meeting folks' needs? And uh, this is such a—I think one of the things that's happening in our listening posts um, that we've been having this past month is it's bringing up— a lot of really diverse needs of our congregation. Uh, the acknowledgement that there's people that just to have all different, and sometimes their needs conflict with one another. Uh, so how do we deal with that in a God-pleasing way? Um, so, but I and and still maintain the the kind of diversity that we have. Communication, being able to communicate what's what's going on, and I think most importantly, spirituality. Um, you know how we get closer to God, seek after His will in His Word, uh, and get uh, our prayer life and our um, devotional life uh, in alignment uh, with God. Um, I think that's a that's a that's a crucial thing. The uh, all of these you know require us working together. Um, there's some things like uh, soul accounting and spirituality that our congregation decided, well, those are too important to leave sit there. So we're going to we're going to start looking at some of those things right away um, and uh, and working toward that. So now let's take a look at the last question, which is why sign a covenant? Uh, let me get that covenant out here. And uh, so this is now all the things that, that we've laid out up till now, including the action plan. I think those are things that, that we all agree, um, you know, are, were good for our congregation. The action plan has a lot of things in there that, that need to be accomplished. But now comes the question of how we're going to accomplish it. Um, are we going to do this uh, with our Southeastern District uh, and uh, with uh, their uh, continued consultation and coaching? Uh, as we go into this together. So just to, let's take this in uh, two parts. One is the biblical language covenant. That could scare some people. Um, what I think that is intended to do, though, it isn't to say, okay, you know, this is like the Ten Commandments. You break one of them and, you know, God will smite thee. No, uh, this is meant to really impress, I think, you know, the commitment. You know, and I think that's what we sign the covenant. We want you know, two-thirds 
of our voters to to really uh, say yes or no. And that uh, is is to understand that, that we're all it, it's the the leadership saying we're not doing this on our own. <laughs> we need everyone's uh, commitment, you know, whether it's a yes or it's a no uh, to signing the covenant. Um, if we sign the covenant then the district comes in and helps us implement the action plan. Um, and we one of the things in all four parts of the covenant for pastors, for the leaders, for the congregation members uh, and also for the district. The one common denominator in all four parts is prayer. We all agree to pray for one another and to seek after the Lord's will continually. Um, the other uh, uh, parts to it, though, and I encourage folks to look at this, uh, call for the, the kinds of things that we will do to help and support uh, setting goals and going forward. The, uh, we're going to have a renewal team that helps us to set goals in our congregation, uh, who will be counseled and held accountable uh, by a coach. That's if we agree to say yes to phase two. If the vote is no, uh, then what we are going to do is to, uh, first of all, I think, listen a little better to the congregation and uh, find something that, that we're all in agreement with in terms of uh, uh, how we're going to pursue the action plan and how we're going to uh, accomplish those goals um, that are before us and what the, those goals should be. Uh, so that's a there, there's there's a path that's laid out there, and what we encourage people to do is just to take a holy indifference uh, to the decision at hand, um, as we're seeking after the Lord's will. Get as many as much information as you can uh, about congregational renewal and how it will look in our congregation in phase two, uh, and where you think the Lord is leading us, either. Uh, to tackle some of these things on our own, uh, or to go and uh, be accountable to a coach that will lead us through uh, with an action team. That's what's before us at this time. Welcome back. Yes, that last segment uh, ended a little abruptly, but uh, that was about as long as I could make a recorded segment uh, using the, the program that I'm using. So uh, shouldn't be surprised that I just went on about that, but that helped me sort through my own thoughts, too, about this vote on phase two of congregational renewal and what that means for our church. So there's going to be some more information this Sunday. 
If you want to join me for our last uh, session of discerning prayer, uh, it'll be in place of the adult Bible class uh, in adult education three uh, during the Sunday school hour this Sunday. Uh, so what we do during those sessions, incidentally, is uh, uh, lay out the question, uh, any additional information that we've received in that week, uh, answering questions that people may have had from the week before, uh, and uh, then just having some quiet time to really seek out the Lord's will in prayer. We usually put that, uh, put a scripture verse to help us focus our thoughts, and uh, and then uh, pray together during that time. The uh, so you may notice a little a slight quality change in this recording, um, and that's because I'm recording this. Uh, I really want to get this uh, podcast out, so I've got my outside microphone on right now, and I'm just driving around, uh, running a few errands here, uh, <laughs> trying to do two things at once. But still, doing my uh, I'm in the car right. We're just doing our driving very safely, letting this couple go by there, and uh, keeping both eyes on the road. So no worries there, okay? Uh, the last thing that we're going to take care of for this podcast is uh, Good Shepherd Sunday. So first, let's hear from the Hosanna Choir for some worship music uh, that went with that theme for the fourth Sunday in Easter. When we come back, I will talk to you a little bit about uh, Good Shepherd Sunday, just give you a few quick notes, uh, and then you'll hear the sermon uh, for sermon number two for Holy Spirit Power.
Yeah, so Hosanna Choir, on the fourth Sunday in Easter, traditionally we assign the 23rd Psalm on that Sunday to be read. And we did that at Bethany's worship. We read it responsibly, and then we sang it in a few different ways in our hymns. And the Hosanna Choir there singing a version of it as well. Uh, so on this Good Shepherd Sunday, there was also the second sermon in the series, Holy Spirit Power, looking at the last part of the Apostles' Creed. The Holy Christian Church, the Communion of Saints. And in the sermon with the Communion of Saints, it just seemed to go so well with the gospel lesson read on Good Shepherd Sunday from John chapter 10. Uh, there will be one flock and one shepherd. That sounds like the Communion of Saints to me. And uh, so you'll hear that connection, hopefully, in the sermon. So may the God bless the hearing of his word. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this podcast and uh, just uh, if you're not at Bethany this weekend, then just uh, certainly keep us in your prayers as we go into our vote for a congregational renewal. apologize. I was a little late getting up here for the gospel lesson because my attention was up in the choir loft. I said, oh, we've, we've gained a new member of the Hosanna Choir. Look at that. And then it turns out it's, it's a very familiar member. Welcome, Alan. Good to see you here. Um, so now we have before us the gospel lesson for today, which is where the sermon text is going to come from, which is from the Good Shepherd part of the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, called the Good Shepherd chapter. And you may notice a theme throughout our worship today where the 23rd Psalm also gets worked into all of our singing, uh, the bell choir you heard at the beginning. And, well, you just need to look at the cover of your bulletin, too. Hopefully the children enjoy the little picture of the sheep there uh, that greets us in our church bulletin. In the Gospel of John, 10th chapter, verse 16, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Christ is risen. So in my opinion, I, people call pastors a, a shepherd. Well and good. That's a very biblical way to describe a pastor. I tend to think we're a little bit more like a sheepdog though. And here's, uh, stay with me. This is why. You have to understand, I have a, a friend of mine who's an ELCA pastor, Pastor Kathy. Her, she works two jobs. Her other job is that she raises Sheltie dogs and breeds them and, and uh, sells them off to, to shepherds, people who raise sheep. Because a Sheltie dog is meant to get the sheep moving from one place to another, keep them safe, and uh, it is tasked to, to guide, direct, and to care. I think of a pastor as the same way. I always get a little uncomfortable with saying, okay, you're the shepherd, we're the sheep, because I'm a sheep too, of course. Those passages of Scripture that are so comforting to us today, the Lord is my shepherd, those are things that I need to hear too. So I'm listening for the voice of my shepherd along with everyone else. So maybe I, more like the sheepdog who listens to the voice of the shepherd as well 
and also receives love and care from the shepherd in the same way. Well, we won't push that too hard. In the text today, there are some points that I would like to focus on that have to do with all of us, pastor and people, listening to the voice of the shepherd. Jesus is with his disciples. This is in John chapter 10. We have to keep in mind that in John chapter 11, Lazarus is going to come out of the grave. Great resurrection power is going to be displayed. And then we go into Holy Week in the night that Jesus is betrayed and gives his life. John's gospel records some teachings that we don't find in the other gospels, teachings given to the disciples in these crucial hours. And in the course of this teaching, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the good shepherd. He explains to them that people will hear the voice. People who hear the voice of the good shepherd, they know it, they recognize it, they follow it. That voice of the good shepherd. When we explain the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we say that we are called by the gospel. We are called by the Holy Spirit through the gospel, the good news. In the scripture, we hear the voice of the good shepherd. In simple verses, we hear and are directed by our leader who says, I have called you by name. You are mine. We hear this voice. We somehow recognize this voice and are drawn to it. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's something reassuring about this voice where we believe the promises, believe this is real, that this is true, that somehow our God comes to us and wants to cradle us in his arms just as a shepherd does a sheep. He has created us. He has saved us through his son. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he says there are many sheep who are not in this pen, where we are, where we're listening to the voice of the good shepherd and are comforted by these words. Now we hear that there are sheep who are not in this pen. From that small group of disciples who were there, and then to the day of Pentecost, where a new reality settles in, that Christ is risen. Is risen and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out, the voice of the shepherd through them, out into the world and communicating, standing before the people and creating now for the first time this communion of saints, people who believe and trust in the promises of God, people who are saved by his blood and saved by his grace, and now are the communion of saints that stands from a little group locked behind closed door, now standing before all time and all eternity before the throne of the Lamb because Christ is risen. And who are these people who have heard the voice of the Good Shepherd? Revelation says people from every tribe, every language, every nation. Just look around. 
right here at Bethany Lutheran, you can see people from every tribe, language, and nation. Sometimes we have folks here from Pakistan, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Liberia. And those of us who are here also have family histories. Some of them where we're connected with God at a very early part of that history. Maybe some of us here are just starting that story because we've been brought into God's family. There are people from all over the world that we are connected to in this communion of God's saints. We have been called from the Gaelic songs of Ireland that somebody by the name of Patrick turned into hymns of praise for their creator. From the icy winds of Russia on that globe that we saw in front of us just a little while ago, believers who were once scattered under communism now hearing those ancient Greek chants being warmed by the love of God again. The busy streets of Monrovia, who every day you'd hear the noise rising above those streets, except on Sunday, where I'm told that the sound that you hear most prominently in those streets in Liberia are the sounds of preachers calling people into the house of God to sing his praise to families in the Middle East who are uprooted and forced to be refugees in the land where many of Jesus' disciples once walked. But now because of the hand of their enemies and their cruelty, they still are, even though they're cast out, they're wandering around, they still hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, though, and are encouraged never to give up hope. This is what's going on right now all over the world. People are still called by the shepherd's voice. People are still drawn to it and then drawn together. We are connected to these people all around the world as the communion of saints. Because we have heard the shepherd's voice, we are called from every tribe, every people, and every language. Because we're united in that shepherd's call, we are united through all time and history. And we know that there's no force on this earth that can ever separate us from one another. Despite our human sin, beside our frailties, there's nothing that can unstitch us from being a part of this communion of saints. Yes, there are people in this world who drag us, Christians, out to a beach to behead us. There are people who still kidnap our most vulnerable, people who blow up and level churches, people who try to invent new satanic religions to replace our faith. These are things that are going on right now and have gone on for the last 2,000 years. And yet we're still here. And yet the Word of God, the voice of the Good Shepherd, still works through this communion of saints, comes to us and goes through us out into the world, being the body of Christ We gather to hear that voice, and we still will be here. We will still be here despite all of the things that may be done against us because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the power that brings us together, the power the world cannot stand against because we stand in all time and all eternity saying, Christ is risen. Jesus says in the gospel lesson today, those of us who are here, hearing the voice of the good shepherd, he says, 
there are those who are not here, those who are not in our sheep pen. And I must, hear that word, must bring them. Dear Christian friends, the urgency of Christ is our urgency as well. All these sheep from other pens in every part of the world, and he must bring them in. How is the voice of the good shepherd going to bring them in? You and me, we are his sheep. And we speak the voice of the good shepherd, sometimes using words. Yesterday, there weren't a lot of words. There was a lot of grunts, <laughs> a lot of ugh as we lugged stones around and dug holes in the ground and did some fun things, I think. To a complete stranger, the voice of the good shepherd called us out to be the love that we share as the communion of saints. And where did that come from? It was, came from a church member here who saw the opportunity where all over the country they were doing this thing called Rebuilding Together and said, okay, that's something we need to be a part of at Bethany Lutheran Church. Now, some years we have 40 people that go out to the community, some years 14, but the end result is we're sharing that love. Just like we heard this year when, you know, there was a need out in the community for people dying of the cold and being a part of a hypothermia shelter. These are complete strangers. These are people not in our sheep pen. We have people who go out into the community to help our seniors. We have people who go out to do ESL over at St. John's and other places. I mean, these are things that I wish we, we kept the statistics of. We keep track of the nickels that you put in the offering plate and the noses that are out here in the pews. We should also be keeping track of the times that we go out to the people who are not of the sheep pen, sharing the love of the Good Shepherd, and then hoping that we are somehow through the Holy Spirit's power bound by the same love that, that, that we have first experienced. It's so important to be this way throughout our lives, to be the church that hears the voice of the Good Shepherd and, and goes out to share that voice. This is true all through our life, to be active in the communion of saints. Because one day, that life does come to an end here on earth. And when we celebrate the Good Shepherd and we celebrate the Psalm 23, the words of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I, it's a sobering thing for me because we use that psalm at almost every, every funeral that we do. Whether that is at the funeral home or here at church, we somehow hear that Good Shepherd psalm because the words are what we need to hear. We need that comfort at that time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's important to, to be led into, by that voice of the Good Shepherd all through our lives because as the communion of saints, we, we follow it and then we come to that point individually where we go from the church that's here on earth to the church that is in glory. Now, I'm not sure what happens to people, what they hear, what they experience, what other voices they hear 
voices from the past, voices from their family all around them. If I get an opportunity as pastor or even as a family member to hold someone's hand in that time, then it's usually I I come back to this passage of Scripture in John chapter 10 and say something like, listen for the voice of the good shepherd. There may be other things that are there, but listen for that voice. If that voice has been feeding you your whole life through and you've been sharing that love that you have experienced through the voice of the good shepherd, then you will recognize it. You will hear it. You will go to that voice. You will cross the River Jordan in faith, in assurance of what is on the other side. Follow the voice of the shepherd because he will lead you home. And we will be there in God's country, one flock, guarded by one shepherd who will watch over us. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, of course, I, with my friend who has the Sheltie dogs, you know me, some of you, and you know that I am thinking constantly of visual things that I can do in church and ways to communicate the gospel message, sometimes whimsical, and I love animals as well. So I had to ask the question, could I borrow your dogs one day? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever done like a sermon illustration either in church or outside to, to use your dogs? Pastor Kathy said, well, it happened one time, but it wasn't expected. What happened was she, for whatever, there was some kind of circumstance where uh, she had the dog with her at church, but then put, him, put her in the basement with a couple baby gates, saying, you know, it's a good dog normally, knowing that will keep them, you know, keep her in place. But yeah, <laughs> Tracy, <laughs> as it, there was a, it, during the sermon, so if you can imagine this, sometime during the sermon, the dog knocked down the gate, ran through the church, listened for Kathy's voice, then came through the, if you can imagine this, through the doors, up the middle aisle during the sermon. Sermon interrupted. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, that, you, know, you completely lose focus, Maybe. But in this occasion, though, this is a very well-behaved dog. So with a motion like this, dog sits. The pastor is giving the sermon, but you have to understand, we need to hear the voice of the shepherd as much as anybody else. So here's the sheepdog. This is why I say maybe I'm a little bit more like a sheepdog, because he needed to hear. He was sitting there with the congregation, listening to the voice of the good shepherd. Well, the person in his mind who was the shepherd, but also the words which connect us to the voice. I can give you clever stories and things like that, but that's, that's only important if it's connected to the life-saving message. The blood of Christ washes our sins. We live for all eternity in the Lord's presence in the multitude called the communion of saints that no one can count a number. We are there because Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And the voice of the good shepherd brings us there and will lead us safely home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus.